welcome to the Lionfish Podcast. I'm Scott Ganello, and I'm here at Santos Coffee. What's this? What is it? Santos Coffee Place. <laughs> Coffee with Soul uh, here in Aruba, and I'm speaking with Sitska today. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. So, tell us who you are and what you do here in Aruba. So, I am Sitska von Roel. I work for the Aruba National Park Foundation. That is a foundation in Aruba that is mandate has the mandate or is in charge to manage all protected nature areas of the island. Uh, and we do that as a service to the government. And uh, one of those areas is our marine park. Um, but that's not only our purpose, so we both manage on land and in the water. But as a marine biologist, it is my honor and privilege to be in charge of the marine park at this moment. And hopefully we can make it something good and positive uh, for the future. The marine park is really young still, so that's why I'm saying I'm hoping to make it something good and positive for the future. So, so how young is it? It's um, So the, the marine park was designated as a nature protected area in 2018. And it, since 2019, it is under our management. But then COVID struck almost immediately. <laughs> So we've been having a few delays in setting up the management of the marine park. And we're in the middle of a process of stakeholder engagement uh, to determine the best, best conservation action plan and management, including regulations and zoning for this entire marine park. So it's, uh, I was there a couple days ago and it is a massive, massive park uh, with all these cool dirt roads and caves and uh, is the marine park added onto that park, or was that all established at the same time? So, uh, uh, added onto our Arikok National Park, mm -hmm. which is our biggest uh, terrestrial park. Mm -hmm. Except the coast directly outside of that is one of our four marine protected areas that together form the marine park. So our oh, marine okay. park has four marine protected areas. Well. One of them is outside of the Arikok National Park. The other one is around our southern tip of the island okay. at Cerro Colorado, um, so it includes Baby Beach and Rogers Beach, which are also famous Beautiful. locations yeah. with on, our, on our island. And uh, we have one more, which is uh, from Santo Largo to Mangalhalto. We call it Mangalhalto because that's the most renowned site within there. There's a lot, uh, it's a coastal area with lots of mangrove forests. Ooh. So it's a really nice area where you have a connection from mangroves to seagrass to reefs. Oh, wow. And it's uh, one of our uh, highest biodiversity areas for the marine environment that we still have left. Where is that one? Is that north? It's north? on our southern coast. Oh, okay. And it's basically the middle of our south southwestern coast of the island. Oh, okay. And then we have uh, one at Orayastad, which is actually divided into two by the, the cruise ship channel, um, right next to our cruise ship harbor. Um, but that's also a really interesting one because you have so many things happening there in the water, maritime traffic and all these things. So each uh, MPA has its own challenges and its own uh, purpose and we'll try to make it work. <laughs> and, and how long have you been doing this now? I've been uh, the interim marine park manager for two years. And how's it About going? Two years. It's it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, and for me, the most um, intriguing experience is dealing with stakeholders, actually, and talking to stakeholders and trying to figure out 
uh, what everybody wants and what everybody needs uh, from the marine park. Who, who are stakeholders? So the different stakeholders we have for the marine park uh, include uh, tour operators, fishermen, oh. inhabitants, uh, the, the community itself. The university, for example, or other institutions that also would like to do research or things like that. So it's it, it in the broadest sense, almost everybody yeah. can be a stakeholder for the marine park because everyone in in some way or another is connected to our sea as we are such a small island. Um, that's one actually one thing um, as a foundation, the Ruber National Park Foundation has recently finished a process determining the multi corporate, uh, multi annual corporate strategy. Okay. Um, where we identified over a hundred different stakeholders uh, for our organization. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's, that's a quite a high number and yeah. quite a challenge as well. But only through fully understanding the stakeholders and uh, making sure that the stakeholders understand our work as well. That's how we can find that balance that is needed for na true nature conservation. Yeah, that's really, that's a, actually a great approach. Everyone's involved. It's uh, for now, for the Marine Park, the stakeholder engagement process is actually going really well. Uh, because one of the things that comes forward really clearly is that everybody wants the same thing and that is a highly biodiverse marine life. Right. Uh, just how to get to that, that <laughs> that's where we still need to discuss here and there. Yeah. And what the main threats are or how the threats are uh, prioritized, those are the discussion points. But um, it's healthy discussions and sure. good discussions yeah. and necessary discussions. Nice. And is there anything that jumps out at you like an aha moment, like, wow, that, that's so cool, or anything right now during these talks, or is it still ongoing? It's still on, it's definitely still ongoing. Uh, but for me, uh, uh, what, what's been the most fun is um, not speaking to uh, individual stakeholder segments or groups separately, but combining them in the stakeholder engagement oh, cool. process. So it's combined workshops where we put all different representatives together. Uh, so the that makes it possible for them not to say um, it's the other stakeholder group's fault. <laughs> Um, so they're, they're immediately um, confronted with their own uh, views and the views or the perception of the rest of the community. Sure. And that makes it really uh, immediately almost honest discussions. Nice. So a highly diverse marine population uh, that hopefully doesn't include the lionfish? <laughs> so the lionfish is an invasive species that uh, I believe the first records on Aruba for lionfish were 2009, when I was saying it, maybe a little bit before, but around that time, um, when I was still studying marine biology in the Netherlands. So that's why I'm not 100% certain on the, day, on the year, but um, we've had several different organizations on Aruba uh, feeling uh, they're calling being the line, targeting the lionfish and mitigating this, this problem. So compared to other islands like Curaçao and Bonaire, neighboring islands, uh, we do have quite a large lionfish hunting community on the island. Nice. Which is good because it's the only way to keep the yeah. the population of lionfish under control. Right. And lionfish being an invasive species on an already degraded <laughs> 
uh, marine environment. Yeah. It's uh, just one more stressor that the environment actually cannot handle. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's pretty brutal. Um, so your marine park, I, I would assume you don't just let everybody from around the world jump in and go hunting fish in your marine park. Exactly. How do you manage the lionfish in a protected area? So one of the things we have right now, as we're in a transition period for the marine park, uh, there's actually only one MBA, the one adjacent to Arikok, where we can uh, manage who enters and who doesn't. Um, and so for that area, we have an agreement with the lionfish hunters that if they want to hunt lionfish in that area, it's it's a definite, definitely a rough sea, so not everybody is yeah. a suitable hunter for that area. Uh, but if anybody wants to hunt in that area, they can contact me directly, and then they get permission to enter the park for free. Usually people have to pay a fee to enter the terrestrial park. The marine park isn't uh, doesn't have a fee yet. Um, but they, I allow them or I make sure that they uh, enter the marine or the terrestrial park for free and then um, they can hunt their lionfish as long as afterwards they share the data of that lionfish with me. Right. And that's because the more information we have on our lionfish populations, the better we can tackle the problem. Nice. And what kind of information are you looking from them? For the lionfish, I want to get some demographics of the population. So the things I need from these lionfish hunters is um, their um, intensity of diving, so uh, our duration, uh, so how long was their dive, how deep was their dive, all the, so the effort, uh, the measure of their effort, but then also the catch. So how many lionfish were caught and the length and weight of each lionfish. Wow, that's a lot of work if they're catching a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of work, but it does it's give us though. a good uh, view of also this, the state of the health of the lionfish, sure. which is also an easy way or reflection uh, of the state of the health of the reef. Right, right. And do you know if they're pulling out more or less or the same amount from the park than they are from other areas? Like, do you see an increase in lionfish when they're not diving that often? Or I would love to be able to answer that question, but I can't because I only have data on the Arikok uh, gotcha. MPA, not on the other areas yet. I do hope at some point we will have a way for everybody to yeah. uh, enter their data and make sure they share their data with um, the marine park because that's the only way we can get a real grasp sure. on what's going on on the island and around the island and if if we're okay, if we have a handle on it because some lionfish hunters even go hunting, especially in the highly visited areas, um, they go hunting and they don't find any lionfish right. anymore. So then the lionfish hunter is disappointed, but on the other hand, it's a really good sign for our, our uh, coral reefs. It's almost counterintuitive, like a really good day of lionfish hunting is when you don't see any or catch any, right? Yes. Uh, which doesn't sound like a great day of hunting, but um, yeah. Um, so speaking of rough waters, you know, I was there a couple days ago walking around that, looking at the water and the wind, and how, how do you get in? <laughs> I mean, is there a, a, a better spot that I just didn't see? Because that's pretty rough terrain out there. It's definitely rough terrain and only for advanced divers. Yeah. The Arikok um, MPA, it's definitely a challenge. 
uh, for divers, that's actually its natural protection. So that's why it's one of our most pristine areas on the island that's, that's still left because the nature protects it. Right. Um, but it's only only for advanced divers and only for divers that have experience in that area. It's um, There's strong currents, there can be an undertow, there can be yeah. wave action. There are different organizations, they also... Um, have uh, limitations or rules so only if uh, the wave uh, is less than 1.3 they are allowed to go out in that area yeah 1.3 meters 1.3 meters okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and do you work with other nonprofits or organizations just specifically or there, is it a very short list of divers that actually go out there for the Arikok area yes. in particular, uh, we work with uh, several individual divers, but also one organization that through the organization uh, notifies nice. myself nice. on this. But there are different organizations on the island that all uh, contribute to the fight against lionfish. Good. And given the, uh, the weather and the wind and the waves and the cliffs, and is it a very short window for diving or is it pretty regular throughout you know week to week month to month or how often do they go out to the parks and dive it's usually a very short window um, we are always pending more more activity of divers uh, during hurricane season because there's definitely days that we have more flat water because there's a hurricane somewhere else in the region <laughs> and it pulls away all the wind and all the action so we have a nice 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 yeah so hurricanes are good you like hurricanes uh, well when they're it's, not at, yeah. on aruba <laughs> <laughs> yes but it's um it, it's tricky and it's always something to keep an eye on uh, this is definitely not the right season for lionfish hunting yeah. on the north shore yeah it's uh, high waves uh only a very few people would be willing to jump in there right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was talking with a couple of them uh, uh, yesterday, and uh, there's some crazy divers around here. They, they, and the, the, the effort they have to put into getting to the dive site and then getting into the water and then getting out to the reef, and uh, it's a lot of work. It's not like, let's just jump off a boat, jump back in, and we're done. And it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. Yes, especially on the North Shore because you it, you would still do it as a shore dive because putting a boat in that kind of weather is not easy yeah. either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, coming in and coming out or going into the water against the waves and the currents and then coming back in with all the waves, that's quite tricky. Yeah. Um, but there are really, really good divers, very capable of doing this. But I also, when they when they signal to me that they want to come the next day or the two days after to come and dive in the park, I always check the weather myself as well. And if I don't agree with the choice of day, <laughs> I do let them know that it could be a safety hazard. Hazard. Sure. And it's everybody on their own risk. But I do ask them to, one, once they're there at the dive site, still reevaluate if it's safe enough, yes or no. Right. A lot of accidents here, or is it is it pretty good in Aruba? Do you, do you find a lot of divers getting hurt with the, some of the conditions around here, or, uh, you know, global, uh, regional, all of Aruba? So with the divers in particular, I haven't heard of many accidents. Nice. Um, on that rough coast, we have had some accidents of non-divers or non-experienced swimmers, right. uh, yeah. which could be very serious accidents sometimes. Yeah. Wow. 
So what are your future plans with the marine park? What would you like to see happen with that? Unless, if, you, if you can't say anything because you're still dealing with shareholders, no problem, I understand. <laughs> well, we are in the middle of the stakeholder engagement, so a lot of things have not been decided yet. Uh, but we do know that uh, the end result will include some rules and regulations or zoning, uh, because that's the only way to safeguard certain areas and right. make sure that we have replenishment areas for the rest of the marine life. Uh, but also, um, it will include certain conservation actions, for example, reef restoration or artificial oh, nice. reef placements, so that we can give nature a boost in its right. recovery. Nice. Um, big question I've been wondering is, we see donkeys and goats, and I don't see many pools of fresh water. How do they, uh, how do they survive out there? So, donkeys and goats are actually a terrestrial invasive species. <laughs> Uh, they were introduced uh, way back during the colonial times yeah. and they cause a lot of uh, erosion on land as well oh. uh, so that and that also ends up uh, reflected on the coral reefs as this eroded land then washes um, into the water and a lot of silt and it's, it's like yeah. yeah it's one other yet again another stressor wow. on our reefs um, but these donkeys and goats, usually they have someone that feels responsible for them and does give them water. A lot of the goats have uh, an owner or a herder, um, so the goats uh, roam off the, their terrain into nature and then at night they go back to their owner. Yeah. Yes. So you don't uh, go by and pick them up and make some goat satay or anything like that? or. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, they're off your property. Uh, well, it's one of the things, um, actually, when the, the terrestrial park was designated in 2000, there, it's, it's stated that there was a one-year grace period for these free-roaming goats. Um, but we're 22 years further and they are, they are still there. Um, so it's one of the challenges uh, of nature conservation on Aruba. Um, it definitely will need to be tackled at some point yeah. um, but there's a whole list of threats to our environment and these goats will um, will also be tackled at some point um, but you, hopefully in agreement with the stakeholders and the the people that own these goats because that's the only way to have a sustainable long-term solution right yeah I didn't realize that uh that they actually cause some reef problems from being on land. I, that's, that's indirectly. Yeah. yeah, it's also it, that also goes for the ATVs and UTVs that we oh. have on land. I, I see that there's a lot of them out there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So that's why our our, our reef degradation it has so many different causes. Lionfish is just one of them. Yeah. So how how fast did the degradation happen Do you, can you track that back or is it just you woke up one day and you're like this is this is bad it's um we actually had a recent study uh, published uh, that was done in 2019 on the state of our coral reefs this was done by, by karmali at Urusawan, uh, research institute and they um compared to previous study that they could find, which was 88, 86 and 88, um, where they're, compared to that, it's it's just really, really bad, uh, really, 
real serious degradation and only one area in Aruba that they could identify that still qualifies for the 40% uh, or more coral cover uh, which is the baseline for a, a signal uh, of healthy reefs. Okay. And there's only one area in the entire? Only one area on the, wow. on the island. And is that a protected area? or is It's it in one of our MPAs. Good. Yes. Wow. Yeah. The only sad thing for that one is that directly adjacent to that area on the shore is where there's current, currently plans for tourism development and hotel development, which are not there at the moment yet, but they're going to come and it's likely going to have a sure. similar path as sure. the other areas. So some countries are banning uh, sunscreen that, that has toxics. Is, is Aruba doing anything with that? Or? So on sunscreen, there's actually a law uh, in Aruba that prohibits sunscreen uh, with oxybenzone. Right. Um, oxybenzone is one of the nine uh, bad guys that can be present in, in sunscreen. Yeah. Um, so it's one step, uh, but ideally you'll have uh, truly reef safe sunscreen in the future. And uh, reef safe sunscreen doesn't mean it says reef safe on the bottle, because sure. uh, that's marketing. Yes. Um, it says uh, at the active ingredients, it can only be uh, zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Those are the only two ingredients that are re wow. truly reef safe. Nice. All right, well, uh, anything else for people that have never been to Aruba that they should know about when they come here? When you come to Aruba, talk to the locals because they can show you things that uh, are not uh, seen by everybody that visits, visits the islands. Uh, there is still quite some nature present in Aruba. While we, nature is suffering under the immense development, there is nature present and it's beautiful. So talk to locals. Um, they can show you that we still have a pristine areas on the island yeah. that are very much worth protecting. Yeah, and I just on a side note with the just walking to the beach and walking to the edges of the cliffs and stuff, some of the the flowers are so delicate uh, and they're so small and they're just like so beautiful. The colors are just incredible and in, yeah. in that harsh, harsh condition. Well they they are all very much adapted to this dry environment. Yeah. Um, Lots of plants wouldn't survive, but the ones that we have here, they yeah. do. And they've adapted to uh, the droughts and everything. And it's it's actually really nice to see how uh, adaptive nature can be. Sure. So uh, give it a chance and it will come back as well. Good. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for meeting us at this great coffee shop. That was a great suggestion, by the way. Uh, love a good cup of coffee. Um, and I look forward, uh, hopefully, working with you in the future uh, with the app and the data. And if you need any data from us, let us know. We can produce it for you. Um, and yeah, I hope the uh, I hope the lionfish hunters keep at it, and, and I hope the reefs come back. Yes, that's that's our main uh, goal: getting our reefs back, yeah. uh, at least to a, a decent level. Uh, and then automatically it will cause a ripple effect for further restoration right. as well. Because right. nature is resilient if it's healthy. Yes, I agree. Well, uh, good luck with the marine park side of things, uh, expansion of that. I hope everything uh, on your wish list comes true. We shall I hope see. so too. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, many years down the road. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you for this opportunity. Take care. All right, I'm out of here.